Hello again. Sorry for that, for that change. I actually had to come back. This is another day. My, my audio recording just died. I had no battery. So I had to continue. I had to continue today with a topic. I will continue straight away. They, as I said, are in constant movement and always adapting their conclusions to new discoveries and new analysis. They, they, they are, you know, studying us, like I said, and studying us from all these different angles. And they are not gods. They don't have all the answers. They, they analyze and they draw certain conclusions. So I'm just, I'm just saying for the future. New data may come in that might contradict something in the past. And it's because of that. It's because of that. So let's just be open-minded and let me continue to the next subject. Now, I also told her that I had a dream one time in which she appeared. Let me just see that I have this. Okay, correctly. This is okay. In which she appeared and she was installing some kind of ear device in my ear so I can hear her better. And I told her about this and she said, no, we don't do these kinds of invasive procedures. So it was impossible that it was, it was her. So yeah, that's just that. They, they don't do these kinds of procedures. If you ever have a dream astral experience about something like that, it's probably not them. Okay, just that. A quick curious fact about crop circles. Crop circles, yes, because they are real, they appear. Some of them are done by federation. Mostly Andromedans, who are a part of the Federation, a big part. But some of the crop circles are also done by Tigetans. And the way they, they, they do it, they use drones and tractor beams of the ships. This is what she says. We use dr the drones to do that or the tractor beam of the ship. We can do many things with it, with the beam. Here, we are using it as a printer. As a printer. We choose the symbol on the screen inside. And then we place the ship above and the tractor beam prints it on the ground in seconds. Quite amazing, quite fascinating. So the, the beam is used as a printer. They place a symbol on top of that uh, in the ship. They place a ship on top of the beam and the beam prints the symbol in seconds. Amazing. Next fact. I asked her about the language. How do they write, for example? Of course, she has no way of showing me their print. She says, I don't have any way to print Tiget and Pleiadian letters here. We don't have the font. However, some of the letters are available if you, if you explore, if you investigate a Billy Mayer's case. I think he, he showed some of the font, some of the writings. I asked, what does it look like? Is, is there any language similar to yours in writing? And she says, similar to Hebrew, because it came from Egypt. And in Egypt, we had a base there. So they had a base there in Egypt, not only in Egypt, by the way, they had bases in different places around the world. We write Taigetan Pleiadian like you would Japanese. From, there's a lot of wind. I have to make sure I, this is recording. Like you would Japanese from top to bottom, next column to the right, then top to bottom again. Like Japanese. By the way, I'm looking here because I have my computer here with me. I never want any distortions. I don't want to just speak from my memory, just speak, just to speak. I want to share with you exactly what was, what was uh, said. Then I asked her to show me some examples of Tigetan sound. How, how, how is it? How is the language? So she says, Iara Gosha. 
Iara Gosha means my name is Gosha. And then she says, Iara Zvaru Eneya Ete Pleyara Taigeta. So she says, my name is Varu and I am from Pleiades. Very nice. It, sound, it does sound like Navajo language, I might, I might add. By the way, I was always so attracted to Navajo language since very young. Uh, it was magical to me. I loved it. I loved the Navajo, Navajo language. Japanese, no, but Navajo. Then, hello, it's Yate. Thank you, Ae. I love you, Ion. Because om, as she says, has several meanings regarding self. In Tigetans, you don't have a mixed meaning for words. That's also why we use the apostrophe when we write as a word. As a word with the apostrophe in different places means different things. And we load telepathically the words, so it's hard to write Tigetan using human lettering. It's interesting to mention, I mentioned this already, but I will repeat, no worries, that when they speak, they charge the words with a telepathic meaning. So if we say a car, it just basically means a car. It's generic. We don't know if what color, we don't know what brand. But when they say a car, it's loaded with all the information around it. So they automatically know what brand, what color, what year it was produced, etc. So that's why it's so hard for them to communicate with our words because it's so slow. They have to explain everything. They can charge the words with a telepathic meaning. Now, this is for, for, for those of you who are wondering how this communication is taking place. How is it reaching our internet? How is this? And what about the IP address, if we can track them down? So I'm going to show you what uh, well, I'm going to share with you what she said, the process. I'm not technical, so I don't understand how this works, but let me just say. So it goes like this all the way to you, she says. First, digital PC. Then from, from, from their side, it begins. Digital PC. Then holographic translator on the ship. Then transmission to holographic to digital translator. And then to satellite. And then to server. And then to the internet. That's the process. Just for the smarty pants out there, well... <laughs> I am not trying to uh, put anybody down, but people were asking, what about the IP address? Can you track them down? No, because this is just a part of the process. This is where the server is, but then it goes to the satellites and then it goes to holographic translators and so and so forth. So that's the, that's the process. Last year in September, we had a UFO, Ufology World Congress here in Barcelona. So we talked about the congresses, the UFO congresses, and what they actually mean to the extraterrestrials. Apparently, the UFO congresses are like a magnet for different extraterrestrial races from both sides. They are attracted to these uh, events. They, they, they do come in, but they blend in. It's not possible to just recognize them. You know, it's not obvious that it's them. So they know how to blend in. There is also a big UFO activity, usually around UFO congresses, visible and not visible. Then I asked her, why? Why do they come? What's the purpose of them coming to the Congress? And she says, keeping an eye on things that happen there that are unseen. There will also be a lot of intelligence agency agents, some of them also reptilian. 
They also pass along information hand-to-hand to avoid technological detection. So it is usually a soup of things and events. Not everything going on there is conventional. A lot of ET-to-ET interaction takes place right there under the people's, human people's noses. The reptilians and the negative ones love that, to be so explicit and open, and yet no one notices them. The reptilians love these kinds of things. They like to just put things, throw things under our nose and play and, and, and go unnoticed, like they do you know, with all these Illuminati symbols, all these things just right there for us to see. But we don't know what they mean. We don't know anything. So it goes unnoticed and they are having fun with that. Now, I asked if reptilians shapeshift, because when they come, how do they come? Do they shapeshift? She says, yes, they do have powers, those powers, but this is mainly technological, mind control, mostly. That is, remove all the romantic strangeness about the shapeshifting. It's mostly technology. I also asked her how, when they come, do they come in their intact 5D form or how? How is it? So she says, yes, they do have their self intact because they use technological devices that maintain the frequency enough. It's harnessed in the utility belt. They are complete ET walking there. Few can now, nowadays, only those highly trained ones. Essentially, they will also be taking care of the humans. They can come, they can appear coming out of the ladies' room, for example, or the gentlemen's room, when no one remembers them going in, for example, and mostly in daylight, because at night it's more difficult to cloak the beam. It may be visible. So from this I understand they are coming using this tractor beam. So the tractor beam, as I see, is used for many different purposes. But there is just another way they can come in. As you know, as you know, there exists an immersion program. So they can also use the immersion program to appear in those events. They go into the immersion with the virtual reality computer and there they drive a mechanical. They look like people but are synthetic avatars. It's like remote driving a Terminator machine. If destroyed, nothing happens to the driver. Quite amazing, quite amazing, quite amazing stuff. So yeah, if you like going to the congresses, be aware that there is a lot of ET interaction there and a lot of events. I remember we went there and we were so looking around. We were so curious to to spot one. And we had some candidates, but you know, we don't, it's, it's impossible because they, they do blend in. It's not really easy to know who is who. I also asked about Faroe Islands. And no, this is, this updates video is like a random, a random curious facts video. But yes, one year ago and a half, I went to the Faroe Islands. I was very drawn to go there. I went there by myself. It's beautiful. It's a Nordic country. I loved it. And I asked Svaro if she has any data, any information about, about this place. So she says, yes, I do. It's a strategic spot, hot spaceship spot, like, like Montserrat in, in Spain. A lot of non-terrestrial traffic there. It's a rendezvous point for many races. From there, they break up in teams and go about their business all over Europe. Regroup there 
and then go home. Used by Engans, Pleiadian Engans too, as they like Nordic areas. The Engans, as I told you before, they are space Vikings from the star Electra. They are the ones who seeded the Nordic culture. Well, the Vikings culture. Never defeated in the battle, so she says. However, so they are warriors, warriors. Please remove all the ideas about the Pleiadians that they are so love and light and fairy-like. Not true at all. Maybe some races are like that, but the Tigetans and Engans, from what I see, they are not like that. Never defeated in the battle. However, they still have protective energy, especially over Tigetans. Now, I have to share with you just this one sentence, something she mentioned when we were speaking about suffering and why why we come here on earth, why we choose, why we choose, why we volunteer to come here into this 3D experience full of suffering and misery. It's like, why, why, why? It's impossible that we come here voluntarily because she always states the point. Yes, you do. Every soul comes in here because they chose to. They chose to one way or another. Maybe some of them manipulated, but still the decision falls on you. The responsibility is yours to come in here. The soul knows what it wants and decides things for itself. So, and she gave me an example here. She says, going into the 3D incarnation is like when you go to the movies to see a horror film. Why, why, oh why do you go to the horror movie and want and wish to be scared and sit there in misery and just be afraid? She says, but you dare go because you know that after two hours, you will walk out of the theater. So this is a comparison of what this life is about. Of course, this is a step further because here we are not aware mostly that we are in the movie. And at least the majority of people doesn't, they don't know they are in the movie. So I understand it's a, it's a step deeper. However, now we do know, we know this is, this is just a movie. And after we get out of here, it's going to feel like it was just two hours experience. The soul is immortal, infinite. It existed before it came in here and it will continue on its adventure after it leaves this plane. So. Nothing to worry about, okay? I know it. I may sound fluffy and, and I know some of you are suffering. It's easy to say when I have no real suffering really in my life at the moment. So I know, I, know, I, I do realize that it's easier said than done. But at least, you know, with the awareness, with the knowledge, trying to align more and more with the self beyond this two-hour movie experience, it will help for sure. Let's be patient. It will all come into place. Now, something very important. Here we were talking with Varu about the difference between the lesser evolved races and more evolved races. And one of the examples, one of the things that differentiates the, the more advanced ones is that they can not only manifest energy from matter, but also manifest matter from the energy, both ways, something that our race is not capable yet. So this is what she says. All the races must learn first how to manifest energy from matter. And then they must learn to manifest matter from energy. This is important. It's simple to say, but the metaphysical aspects of this are huge. Manifesting, manifesting energy from matter 
atomic power. But Gosha, she asked, manifesting matter from energy? What is it? Of course, I had no idea how to respond this. And she says, you see, that's the present stage of humanity there. Take potential energy, whatever that may be, electricity, for example, and make me a flower from it. You can take a tablet of uranium and make it be electric energy. But now take that electric energy and turn it into uranium again. See the problem? And these are examples only of the lesser evolved race and the more evolved race. It means to be able to manifest things from nearly nothing using pure conscious intent. Very interesting. We definitely can't do that at the moment as a, as a race, manifest matter just from anything. And to finish off, I would like just to mention something, something uh, about Svaru and about 5D existence in general. The Tibetans are generally very happy people. However, let's not forget that they, they, they continue to be biological beings. They continue to be physical beings. They continue to have emotions. They're actually quite emotional. Some races say they are very, very too emotional, maybe perhaps even. And they also have nostalgias because one time I was speaking with Varu about how sometimes I feel a bit lonely here inside and we were talking about that. And apparently, so does Zvaru. She also feels loneliness inside and uh, yearning for some kind of unidentifiable home existence. And which surprised me, actually, because I thought, what do I mean? I mean, I thought this was, this was it. The 5D was our home. And I thought that, you know, my yearning for home, that's 5D home, 5D existence. And, and she says, no, not necessarily. We might still be yearning for higher, higher D existence. They, they do, well, not all of them. Zvaru especially does because, because she's from 7D as she perceives herself. So they still have the yearnings and, you know, um, those feelings because we are multidimensional beings. We don't belong just to one specific D. Just because 5D is closer to the source and is purer in many ways, it's not artificially imposed. It still doesn't mean they don't have these feelings. So. Let's remove all these ideas that it's, it's some kind of a fantasy realm when everyone, everything is perfect, where everything is just pure love and love and light. It's just not the case. In 7D, this is where in, in 5D, they are closer to integrating everything as part of themselves because that's part of, that's part of the holographic thinking and of wholeness. But it is in 7D, in 7D, especially when you integrate everything as part of yourself. You just take it into yourself as part of you. And that's, that's love. That's love. She says that, you know, you, you can feel love very thick, very thick love in that level. So thick you can wrap yourself with it as a blanket. And it's basically integration. It's integration of everything, everything into yourself. You feel everything as a reflect, as a, as a part of yourself. You see, you take this rock and you can, you know, this is you. You know, this is you in some other, uh, point of the existence. This is probably me in the past. 
because there is no past, there is no future. It exists simultaneously. So this rock is experiencing the rock existence as I am experiencing right now my existence, but we are both the same. We, we, are, we are one. So in 70, you realize these things more uh, in a more direct way. Here, it's still, it's still, we are touching on a, on a surface of that feeling, but it still became, it still remains in a, in a intellectual concept uh, level for many of us. But in 70, it's, it's where we really feel one with everything in part and we integrate everything into ourselves. And as she says, the identity in the 70 is not really lost. It's not really lost. It's just expanded. That's a very important point because we feel when we integrate everything as part of ourselves, the unity, we lose our identity. No, we don't lose the identity. We expand our identity because we really then, like I said, feel everything is us. This is my identity also. <laughs> so identity is expanded. Thank you so much for watching this unusual video. However, I would like to think that these kinds of videos are usual and my kitchen ones would be unusual ones. I would prefer to do more of these videos in nature. Thank you so much and I'm going to see you in the next video. A lot, a lot, a lot more to come. So I hope, I hope you stay with me. Thank you and bye-bye.